You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. I think it should be working now. Can everybody hear me? Okay. I did a really cool intro and didn't have my headset turned on. So basically, I'm qualified for a job with the Browns is what I would say. We need to, whoever's the head coach here needs fired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's on me. That's on me, guys. Um, let me start again. Uh Welcome in. Post-game coverage of the Browns uh, losing their 10th game of the season. They fall to the Steelers 28-14. to They had a lead in this game, uh, 7-0, and then they gave up 20 straight points uh, and really didn't have much of a shot after that. Um, I was uh, thinking before the show started here that uh, we were sitting here in September. The Browns were 2-1. They had just beaten the Steelers on a Thursday night to go to 2-1. And if they finish seven and ten, that means that since then they they're five and nine, um, which is uh, not a good record for a football team to have, is my analysis. Um, it, it is a disappointing way for the season to end, and I think that there are, in my mind, more questions than answers about what this team is and where this team is headed um, after the end of the season with Watson, a, a stretch of games, six games that we all looked forward to, where they ended up three and three. Um, there's more questions than answers about what this team is going forward in the next year. Uh, I welcome in uh, Brad Warden, uh, Jake Burns. Uh, Jake, I want to go to you because you had uh, a, a, a series of two tweets that, that you, you published just after the game ended, I think, um, talking about where this offense is um, and the lack of offensive production uh, down the stretch of the season. You know, you made the point that if you take the second half of Washington out of it, uh, it looks pretty rough, and and I understand you. You also said you know you never want to take the good out and only focus on the bad. But there's been a lot of bad uh, for this team since Deshaun Watson became the quarterback, and it uh, it starts to feel uh, like a real problem, not not just a there's rust thing because we've seen it go up, and now you know we saw today a pretty bad version of what this offense looks like. Yeah, I don't I don't like to normally be that if you take the good out, you know, here's the here's the bad one. But you, when you only have one half of good football um, in six games, I think you kind of do have to isolate it and look at what the larger sample size is there. I'm not here to say anybody needs fired. I'm not here to say anything other than like if you can if you can watch that the same way I did and not leave concerned about how difficult it is to pick up every single yard. And it's not isolated to today. I don't, I don't know how else to say this. It's been a five and a half out of six game sample that like it's been bad. So, I mean, we should be concerned. It doesn't mean they can't fix it next year. And it doesn't mean we can't get it right. But I think if you're looking at how has this thing looked for the last six weeks, and even if you include Buffalo, Miami, and Tampa, it's been pretty rough there too. So like it was a bad offense post by. So, um, you know, that's, that's the, just the reality of it. And I think we have to be a little concerned about, you know, leaning into a lot of what we leaned into at the halfway point was we think we can, you know, we think we can fix they, they can fix the defense and everything will work itself out. Watson gets back. The offense can keep going and it didn't, it fell off. So I think that's the tale of the second half. I mean, I know, um, 
it, it's like we want to still move on from Joe Woods, and I think that's probably going to happen here. But it'd be nice to feel like you could see how the offense is going to be really good, and it just yeah. was a it was really bad. So, um, yeah, that's just not what you want, guys. I don't really have anything else to add to it than that, and it's just an yeah. uneasy feeling. It, it, it doesn't feel great, Brad. Um, my question to you, and, and I, I mean, I'm happy for you also to respond kind of the thread that, that we're running with here, but it feels to me uh, with, with a, a really, really poor performance from the offensive line today that there is now really nothing that the Browns can hang their hat on consistently anywhere in the team. The, the, the passing game, the running game are both really inconsistent, and now the offensive line play, I mean – to, I don't. I didn't see the final sack number, but it was seven or eight sacks. I mean, it was it was almost constant pressure that Watson was under, some of his own doing. But but, what is the thing that the Browns can hold, hang their hat on right now? Um, there's not much that you can really hang. I think you hang your hat on that. If there was anything, if I was being you know hyper positive, right? Uh, I would say that it would. <laughs> I would say that they can hang their hat on, you know, a healthy offensive line and a healthy Nick Chubb, and you probably still have a good run game. Um, but, you know, that's being hyper positive, right? Like, that hasn't been there of recent. Um, you know, our, the question for me is more about it's about the offense, yes, but it's a. I wonder, like, I watched Watson today, and it was a very unimpressive performance. I, you know, I mean, he makes really good throws at times, but is he always, maybe you guys can tell me that if Jake's probably watched more tape of him in the past than I have, has he always held the ball like this? Because it seems a ridiculous amount of time that he is holding the ball and dancing around in the pocket. Now, the offensive line was not good, but they did throw a stat out there that he had like two throws that were out in under two and a half seconds. And in the NFL, I mean, sometimes that stuff needs to be out in under two and a half seconds. He just does not seem to get rid of the ball uh, with any sense of urgency. I mean, I think there's the yin and yang with Watson, which is he'll make a lot of plays happen. Um, you know, extend plays, break sacks, and that's great. But there are times, and this has been over the course of his career, that people have layered into – him for holding on to the football for so long at times. It is a problem. So um, how do they clean that up, Brad? I think he got it really cleaned up in his last year in Houston and was playing really well. And he had some good straight, great stretches in Houston. But uh, to your point, it, it, they are they are holding on to the football too long at the quarterback position. And a couple really bad decisions at the quarterback position hurt them today that directly you know, resulted in points. Uh, I believe yep. you got a touchdown and a field goal, 10 points directly off interceptions um, that I put those both on the quarterback. I mean, those are both quarterback mistakes. So um, yeah, they need to figure out and Watson needs to get back to finding the correct balance between hanging on to it too long and, and uh, trying to play hero ball at times. And uh, there's a certainly going to be an emphasis of him getting better at that uh, personally. And, you know, you would hope that as he continues to play more and more and whoever is calling plays, however that works out, that there's a, there's a better, quicker understanding of getting rid of the ball, right? And he becomes more comfortable reading defenses, so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I, I'm not here to blame Watson by any stretch. Uh, I don't think you're doing that either, Brad, but I'm just no, like, just he was certainly he, he didn't help today. And 
Um, he's got to be better. Uh, th- there's just, again, I think the offensive line thing too, it, it needs to, to clean itself up. They need to, to understand it's a different quarterback, right? Your quarterback doesn't get rid of the football quick. He's not a Tom Brady quarterback type who is a quick ripping type of quarterback. He can do some miraculous things and help you and, and help you avoid taking sacks, but he needs a little more time. So you need to play uh, and process as an, as an offensive line that way. So hopefully more time together means more understanding of how he operates. That's my hope, Brad. That's, that's, that's all I kind of have on it. Yeah. I mean, this is all a learning process, right? With him and the offensive line and the wide receivers, we kind of talked about that, but I mean, um, I guess my other question for you guys would be, you know, where was Amari Cooper today? Where was – I mean, there's no targets to wide receivers today. Yeah. And that would be my other question. And why is that? Yeah. Do we know? I got to watch it back to figure it out. I don't, I don't – I mean, it's so hard to know what's open downfield and what isn't. So, I agree, yeah. though, that was underwhelming, you know. I, there was a throw to Donovan up the seam that was nice, uh, but there was not a ton of other uh, – no, I don't have – let me – let me. I can, I can pull up the stats real quick and try to give us an answer on how many – uh, targets were even thrown in wide receivers' direction. I think um, Coop so had like three targets. Yeah, well, Cooper had three challenges. targets. Uh, Peoples Jones had four. Mike Woods had one, and David Bell had two. So you're talking about, I don't know, seven, ten, ten wide receiver targets in a game that had 29 attempts, and Watson was sacked six other times. So that's 37, 30 dropbacks. He probably ran. How many times did he run? Six times. You're probably looking at a close to 40 dropbacks, and only one fourth of those go to receivers for targets. So, yeah, it's a problem. We got to look at that yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's one of the one of the issues that is going to really. I mean, if last season's last off season was, you know, uh, endless because of the uh, Deshaun Watson legal situation and suspension, this off season is going to be endless because we all still think the coach is coming back. And so the offseason is going to be litigating how much of the six games that we saw was about Deshaun Watson getting acclimated to game speed, how much of it was about, I mean, uh, the offense uh, really struggling and bogging down, uh, which, you know, speaks to your point, Jake, about how they looked after the bye week with Jacoby Brissett before Watson returned. Uh, those conversations are going to be, it's you know, what Brown's Twitter is famous for, right? Things spiraling where everybody's going to have a different opinion and we're all going to get dug in and it's just going to go in circles. Go ahead, Brad. Well, let me say this to that, right? Like, I don't, I want to be, I want to be clear. I don't, I don't think it's like, I'm not panicking here. Okay. On this offense, like they have not looked good. And, and, and certainly you can litigate whose fault and why the last six games were trouble on offense. Right. Uh, Stefanski, Watson, whoever, right? The offensive line, whatever it is. I'm just saying, like, I think what you're going to get in 2023 is going to be different than this as far as what you run with Watson, what you do with Watson, the kind of offense that they're rolling out. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, Jake, am I wrong in, in assuming that? Assuming what again? That that the offense is going to be different next year. It has to, it has to be. It has to evolve right? in some way. Yeah. If yeah. they try to run it back, I think. <clears throat> let me put it this way: I think there's something going on that's a tell for how Kevin operates. Like I think that yep. we're five years into him calling, four years into him calling plays now, and 
I think teams have a pretty good feel for what he wants to do. Um, you know, you'll see a lot of guys get opportunities to call plays for a portion of time, and no, it doesn't last. Kevin's at a precipice here of, of he called plays in Minnesota, and then he's come to Cleveland and called plays for three years. So he's going into his fifth year calling plays. And I will just say that I do think that there's a vibe, a feel, a scouting tell. Teams have a pretty good feel for what the Browns are doing on offense. So self-reflection, self-scouting this offseason, what can they do differently? How can they evolve? How, who can they bring in to help them evolve? Uh, would would certainly be of interest to me, and I will be paying uh, really, really close attention to coaching staff moves with that thought in mind because there's no doubt the teams have a pretty good feel for what they want to do. That's that's. I'll just leave it at that. Jake, I got a good feel. I'm watching the yeah. games, and I know what they're going to do. Yeah, That's the hard – I'm watching this game today. But I'm talking I'm like, just beyond that. I'm talking route concepts that we can't see. Yeah. Like general things that like even as a viewer on the TV view, we can't see maybe a tell about how the tackles align or a tight end in a wing. What do they do? Like little things like little nuances, not, you know, I think there are bigger tells in a game. Obviously, we can pick up on, but there's little nuances. I think that teams are, you know, hey, it's second and, and above five. They like to do these three things. And we know they like to do these three things between the 20 yard lines. So I just think that there's like something there that they have to solve. Kevin has to solve and Kevin has to evolve. Like, I actually wouldn't be surprised if he brought in an OC that he actually wants to call plays. I would think by now AVP would have been calling plays if he wanted to. I just wouldn't be surprised if he relinquished that. I really wouldn't at this point be surprised if he passed that off. And maybe people would like that. Maybe people wouldn't. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him do it. I I think uh, that as far as – once again, and into Super Surge, who said, you know, always next year. I get your point, and I understand how you feel. But it is post-week 18, so we are on right. to next year, legitimately. <laughs> so, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. Um, so, uh, but I would say that I think they are short a wide receiver that is different from the guys they have, right? Yes. So you have a, a DPJ and you have an Amari Cooper who are nice, and I like like them a lot as who for what they do but they are totally missing a dynamic wide receiver that can create space uh vertically and horizontally that maybe you get the ball out quick too on some underneath shallow stuff or that stretches the field vertically that is a must add you know these teams that are really dynamic offensively in the nfl have three very good wide receivers and the browns don't have three of them right now uh, Mike, um, you, you joined us kind of in the middle of this discussion, but I want to welcome you in officially. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, you sound uh, frustrated, which uh, is not surprising. We just lost the Browns lose uh, to the Steelers by two touchdowns. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I'm sitting here watching this game with my dad and he's saying, not only are the are the Browns worse than the Steelers again, finishing in fourth place, they finished two games behind the Steelers in the standings. The Steelers are nine and eight. The Browns are seven and ten. Like, it's... <laughs> It's hard schedule. to swallow. I, I mean, I know that you know we're we're we're, uh, we're on to next year, but it's it is hard to stomach that. This whole season, I mean, today's game was such a such a, a microcosm of the entire season, wasn't it? Just between the penalties, just calling back big plays, like they had several big plays get called back or 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 nullified by penalties early in the game, and then. 
you know, that, that last drive, basically, that put the game away from the Steelers, where it just was the yeah. Browns would make great plays on first and second down, and then boom, 27 yards on third down. And it's just right. like third and eight, third just, and 10, third and eight. It just, yeah. and then, and then I, I, you know, it was vanilla. And, and maybe we should, maybe you should expect that because there's nothing for them to play for. So they're just going out there, putting together a game plan. Vanilla is what it is. It was so vanilla, though. And, like, I think as a fan, you want to see, hey, you guys have nothing to lose. Why don't you go yeah. out there and throw some shit around? And, like, sorry to swear. Uh, and, like, if if Deshaun Watson winds up with a couple interceptions because you guys are being uber aggressive and, like, going for it. But, man, it's just uh, the interception that he did throw, that, that, that one interception that got the second one that got undercut. Yeah. It's third and 18, and you're throwing, like, a little four-yard dump off. What do you do? Launch the ball down the field. Yeah, I can handle throwing interceptions past the sticks there, but a five-yard knockdown, why are we throwing interceptions on those? And and I'm watching, you know, I'm watching receivers going out and running little curl patterns and never coming back to the ball ever. I mean, I'm sorry, but David Bell, man, he just goes out and stands, and he doesn't fight for the ball. And I'm I'm just I it just it was a frustrating end to the year because it was yeah. such an example of the year itself. Yeah. And yeah. you thought maybe in this game you go in and you say, listen, we had a crappy year, but we're gonna lay it out there and we're gonna come yeah. for this game. We're not gonna let Pittsburgh get into this playoffs, which they didn't anyways, but we're we're gonna be the ones that stop them. And instead it was just it was so the effort was ho hum by ever from yeah. from Kevin Stefanski all the way down. It was a ho hum effort. It might as well have not showed up out there. Like they didn't want to be there. And that's what we feared. We we feared. I had this little glimmer of hope this week because we had all the other crap going on. And I don't mean to go on and on and on. But we had all this other crap going on this week that I had this little glimmer of hope that, you know what, maybe they're going to come in and be a little pissed off and kind of put their foot down and say, we're better than this. We're going to come out and play better than this. And not one person in the organization did. Not one person. Even the guys that you think played pretty well today didn't play all that well. Everybody ho-hummed this game. Well, let's just get through this. Let's get to the end of the year. And that sucks. That's a shitty uh, – sorry, I keep swearing because this team makes me. It's just such a bad way to end the year. And it leaves it's, – it's such a familiar way to end the year. It's such a familiar way to end the year. In Pittsburgh, where they used to play this game every last week of the season – Right. In Pittsburgh, you go and just get the life sucked out of you by the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you just don't show up. They just didn't show up. It's frustrating. It's You've yeah. got to be better than that. The organization has to have some level of pride, and there's none. There's none. There's no pride with them. They're is just, it, oh, well, into the offseason. Here we go. Is it that they didn't show up, or is it that they just weren't good enough? No, yeah. no, I I think they need to get hammered a little bit. For just not showing up. Maybe maybe there is the element of they're not good enough. Brad, like you said, you've got a very similar skill set wide receiver group, right? So uh, there's not a lot of variance out there that a defense has to worry about. Sure. But I'm sorry, but these guys are better than what they played today. They're all better than what they played today. And they were yeah. all bad. They were just It was ho-hum, and that should never happen. It should never happen. It was just like watching the same play over on repeat. You know, ball gets snapped to watching the shotgun, and he runs around for his life, and then sees if he can get it, get it, get it out later, right? And yep. um, it was just watching the same play over and over. And I know that that's not what their plan was, but whether it be 
inability to protect him or him holding the ball, it ended up with the same outcome most of the game. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, to Jake's point about the predictability of the offense, um, you know, I, I think that they, they, they had some inconsistent drives in the first half that were sabotaged by penalties, um, untimely penalties, but I thought they, they played well uh, on offense in the first half. Uh, it felt to me as this as the game unfolded, especially into the second half, that the defense of the Steelers really adjusted to what the Browns were trying to do, and and um, you know you saw Watson holding the ball. I mean, he certainly got pressured in the first half, but in the second half, as you said, Brad, it was mostly him holding the ball. So but there's nothing, he, guys. There's nothing they do to loosen up when a team makes an adjustment. They don't. They haven't. They, that's what. That, no, that's my, point, that's my point. That's my point. That's my point. And I, I'm not arguing with you, but like, yeah. you got to be able to adjust back. That's when when you try to run your like 17th little short quick pass in a row or pass out into the flat or attempted right. screen pass in a row and the defense adjusts maybe take a shot maybe maybe take a shot somewhere maybe yeah. figure out a different you you cannot this offense cannot just be run the ball and throw the ball uh, no more than 3 yards down the field it yeah. can't be that offense it's easy to defend and then when the defense adjusts nothing happens it just I know this game doesn't mean anything and I probably shouldn't be as worked up as I am, but man, I just, I really thought they were going to come out and show a little something in this game. And instead they tuck all of them, tuck their tails and just, they, they so, gave up. They gave up. So they had some success running the ball, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like one of these games and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt like they didn't care to win this game running the ball. I agree with that. It felt like they wanted to win this game passing. And I, I think this is also, I mean, it felt similar to me to this, the attack that the Browns have used against the Steelers, you know, with varied amounts of success over the past few years, right? They they spread them out to run the ball. You know, like they, they, they passed to free up the run, usually against the Steelers, right? That was, the, that was why T.J. Watt, uh, you know, murdered Baker Mayfield at the end of the year last year. And, and, but it, I think it worked for the most part this, this year in Cleveland. Um, Jacoby Brissett threw the ball well against them, if I remember correctly. I'm I'm going off of my memory of week three, yeah. but and they had nine they had nine sacks in that last game of the season last year against uh, right. Baker Mayfield. And if it wasn't for Deshaun Watson's abilities, they would have had nine easy again today. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I I think it's I think it's worth asking. I mean, we have been you know uh, I think as a as the OBR and and generally I think we've been pretty you know, uh, positive on Kevin Stefanski's chances of coming back next year and turning this around, um, uh, to some you know, more or, or less. And, and obviously after last week's win in Washington, you felt like they'd turned a corner, which I think to me created some of the expectation for why this game was so frustrating because you saw a glimpse of what it could be and they're back in hell a week later. So, uh, Jake, um, you know, I, I I I don't think any of us are going to sit here and rant and rave that they have to fire Kevin or Andrew Barry or Paul D. Podesto or anybody, but I do think that they're in a very uncomfortable position in terms of, you know, what the path forward looks like because you're looking at three straight years. You know, they they had obviously the the great year in 2020, and and the record has gotten worse the the next two seasons. So the path forward, as I said uh, a little bit ago, is is murky. Yeah, it feels like there could be a lot of changes. It feels like there could be, I think, 
I think everything's from a wide perspective of the ownership. I, I honestly, on a different tangent, real quick, I wanted to look this up because you guys were talking about they don't throw it very far downfield. And then I'll come back to your question, Andrew. 25 air yard attempts. And now this, I don't think they had a ball thrown from Deshaun over 25 yards today, but those are typically deeper throws. For the first 12 weeks of the season, the Browns were tied for fourth in the league with 33 attempts. From week 13 on, um, I, I'm pretty sure from week 13 to, to 18, they're dead last, tied with San Francisco and Brock Purdy for six attempts since week 13 oh. of over and Deshaun, Deshaun, can throw the ball, Deshaun can throw the ball down the field. Like it, it yeah. feels like it, it feels just, like it they, feels like yeah, everything tightened up. I just wanted to look up that data. I mean, like the tie doesn't always guarantee success. Like the top teams were like Houston had 22 and New England had yeah. 22 and the Raiders had 21 and the Jets had 20. So it's not like a guarantee, but I mean, the Chiefs are seventh, <laughs> yeah. the Vikings, the Eagles, the Bills, the Bucks, they're all toward the top. Bengals had 14. So, you know, it's a mix there. But I, I think that we could all agree that it felt like everything tightened up uh, the last six weeks of the season here. And there's kind of evidence to back that up. Um, anyway, yeah, Andrew, I think I think everything is on the table. So from a scale of would I be surprised? Would I be surprised if we they fired Stefanski out of nowhere? I would I would say I'd be surprised, not shocked. Um, right. I'd be surprised, <laughs> not like shocked. Um, Which emoji? Is I that? don't I don't. Yeah, you have to put it in <laughs> emoji terms. I don't I don't think they should do that. I think no. I have I've steadfast on the one more year with Deshaun to try to get it all. I'll figure it out. I would be shocked beyond shocked if they didn't fire Joe Woods and move on and restructure their defense. And I would be pretty shocked if they didn't restructure some part of their offense, a, a coaching positional guy or somebody brought in and restructuring their offense. Like we have seen the same staff stay pretty intact over three seasons here. Right. Yes. So I think you're talking about some changes on both sides of the football, more defensively, um, than offensively, but would I be against the shock to surprise scale? Would I be shocked if they moved on from Alex Van Pelt and tried to hire in some different offensive coordinator? No. Do I think AVP deserves to be fired? I don't know. I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I don't know what kind of help he gets from AVP. I don't know why he doesn't feel maybe he does feel comfortable enough and he announces in a couple months that he's going to let Alex call plays. I don't know. I don't know. But like, I think Kevin, my hunch as we go into this is Kevin stays. They make some changes offensively some way, shape, or form. And then defense is overhauled. Um, that's where I'd be at. But but I, I I think that they have put themselves at seven and ten. And to your point, it's it's a complete when you lay it out in front of you, it's completely unacceptable to finish two games behind. Lamar Jackson missed seven games. Is that how many he's missed yep. now? Seven, six, seven. Right. Pittsburgh six, started seven. Kenny Pickett, yep. but they didn't start Kenny and he didn't start playing decent football for them until late in the year. Yep. To finish two games behind there, considering where the defense was supposed to be at the beginning of the year, that's a big problem. It's a big disappointment. Um, so I, I think, again, is like when they lay this all out, if they wanted to, to go crazy, and again, it might not yep. be what anybody wants, I just wouldn't be shocked. I really I really wouldn't mm -hmm. be shocked. Uh, when you put yourself in vulnerable spots, 7-10 last in the division, that's what happens. Right. I don't think it's going to happen, guys, but I wouldn't be surprised. You leave yourself vulnerable to that outcome. Yeah, Brad, I, 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 I think uh, we're just going to add one little nuance to this, which is, you know, I know that the Browns are in a difficult spot trade compensation wise, but it is not every year that the coaching carousel involves names like Jim Harbaugh and 
Sean Payton. Now I know that there's, you know, there's a, there's a strong sense that those are, you know, maybe pipe dream names for the Browns, certainly the Payton one because of the draft pick compensation. Right. But, but my point is just to say like some years, the best coaching candidate is an offensive coordinator, right. For a, for a team that's in the playoffs. There are some, there are some names with genuine pedigree this year that are available. If the Browns are on the fence about whether or not to make a drastic move you have to think that some of that plays into 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 account, right? That, uh, I mean, you can have everybody has a different opinion about the, what kind of coach Jim Harbaugh is, but that's a name that Jimmy Haslam has, uh, you know, has wanted to make a part of the team for a decade. Uh, and and if if he is hired somewhere else, if he goes to Indianapolis, he's not ever coming to Cleveland. Right? This is probably his last go around in the NFL. Uh, I don't. I will. I would be absolutely shocked if they moved off Kevin I'll say that okay. so I think that it took Jimmy some time to get this the way they wanted it right aligned the way they wanted it and he deep Podesta has his ear deep Podesta is invested in the Stefanski and Barry marriage that they put together they went all in on Watson. They're not going to pull the plug on it now, right? Like I, that just seems totally ass backwards to say, we're going to put all this money in to Watson. We're going to bring him in. We have this guy we believe in, this guy we believe in. We'll feel like we're making steps forward. And then, and, and I will say this, this is, I'm not trying to make excuses for anybody. There has been mitigating circumstances last year and this year, right? Okay. So, I think that it would be, I think it would be crazy for them to move off of your head coach right as you're going into a full season with the guy you just went all in with, with the guys that helped make that decision. That doesn't seem to make any sense to me. Yeah, listen, we've done it for years and years and years and years and years. We've we have we have watched as one coach has come and another coach has come and and, it, and, and they get fired and the next guy's going to be the guy and then they get fired. Thinking, listen, what I don't want to get into a situation of it's 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 the worst nightmare, right? You fire Rob Chudzinski, who who knows what kind of coach he would have been ultimately, because man, Chip Kelly's the guy, and we're going to go have dinner with him for seventeen straight hours, and and then you're not going to get Chip Kelly, and now you're scrambling trying to find a coach. That's that. You don't want to get back into that situation. And listen, none of these guys guarantees that you're going to win games. That's that's the the scary thing. The reason that I like, I I know I know his name keeps floating out there, and I know every the minute I mention his name, people are like, he's not coming here, and that's not what I mean. But everybody's like, well, Sean Payton's out there. Man, Sean Payton had an all time great quarterback, and he won one Super Bowl. And listen, that's great, he won one Super Bowl, but with one of the greatest all time quarterbacks, that's how hard it is to win. So having a guy come in here doesn't mean you're just going to win. I think Kevin Stefanski does a lot of things that I like. For the most part, I like how he handles himself, although I would have loved when they didn't call that face mask again to Sean, against Deshaun Watson. I would have loved Kevin Stefanski to like just go get kicked out of the game. Who cares at this point? Run out on the field and make a scene. This is your time. Like I felt like this is your time. Go do that. I like a, enough of what he does that I, I don't want to be jumping back into this who's this who's this guy and then we're all celebrating and partying like we all were when Hugh Jackson got hired here this is the next great head coach and he's going to do great and look at what all the great things he's done and he was I I think I I I would be very very surprised I, I don't think that's the move I think there's enough moves 
But I think Kevin Stefanski, Kevin Stefanski should take note. If 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 they're going to start firing, if, if some of his coaches, and I know some of that's going to be his decision too, but if some of his coaches start getting fired, he's got to he's got to feel a little bit of the blame for that. Yeah, he's got to feel I, a little bit of the blame. He's got to take note and say, all right, well maybe it's maybe it's these guys this year, but if we don't come out and dramatically improve this team next year, then it's me next year. It's my it's my assistants this year. It's me next year. He's got to have that feeling inside of him. They got to get better. I I don't think we were wildly missing when we said this team was talented. There is talent here, guys. I I truly believe that. So I think a a direction change on defense, a voice change on defense, a philosophy change on defense, and then I think a consultant or whatever you want. I know you hate is who said they hated the word consultant. Mike, is that you that hates consultant? Oh, I don't no, know. Okay. That word does uh, not bring up any emotions. To me. Okay. I want to make sure take your temperature <laughs> on that real quick. Did you uh, say consultant? <laughs> did you say, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, somebody that to help on the offensive side of the ball, I would be Jake. I, I'm surprised to hear you say that. You think he might give up play calling? I don't. I didn't. I don't like, know that he might. I just think everything's on the table. It's on the it's table. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess uh, I would be surprised if he did that because yeah. if that feels like the reason he was hired, almost. So I think you know you, you look at what Brian Dable has done for his first year in New York. Um, you know he he made his name in the NFL by leading that Bills offense from nothing to one of the best offenses in the league, developing Josh Allen into one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He gets the Giants gig, and he goes out and hires a guy from Kansas City that he has no personal relationship with whatsoever and puts him in a position to call plays his first year, and they've got Daniel Jones in the playoffs, right? So, like, part of this is I, – I totally agree with you, Brad, that the, the thing that Kevin Stefanski does best is play calling, but – it also might be that his style of play calling that has been successful in the play action game, the screen game, those sorts of things are not working the way that they were three years ago when he got the job and, and he might need somebody else that understands, you know, a different offensive philosophy that he can collaborate with. And, you know, it's, it's that thing, right. Where whoever the play caller is, they're all designing the offense, obviously. So, Hey, we were all talking about Kevin Stefanski the way we're talking about Brian Dable a couple of years ago. I mean, it, it exactly. was all going great, uh, right. but yeah, you have to evolve and you, adapt and you, or die. That's the that's NFL, it. right? I mean, and I think you know, I just, Mike, to your point, um, the last time we were we were all sitting here talking about whether or not to give a, you know, to 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 keep a coach for um, continuity's sake, it was you, Jackson, right? I mean, that was the. That was the reason that somehow the guy went one and 31 and got a third year because they, they had to shake the stigma of holding on to a coach, you know, for too long. But, um, and, and and I'm, I really am not in a position where I'm arguing that they should fire the coach, but I, I, I think given the results of the past two seasons, even considering the mitigating factors, there's certainly enough room to have the conversation. And I, I would just hasten to add I don't think that the general manager or the president of strategy or whatever his title is are immune from this conversation either. Right. Like this is a, this is an organizational failure. I don't think it's all on the head coach. Right. I agree. But that's kind of why I think that collectively they'll move together together that triumphant or that, uh, that threesome there. So I I don't know. Go ahead. I, I meant to add some context to things I've been saying. So I said earlier in a tweet that the Browns, 
two things that have kind of stood out to me about the Browns this year is that on third and shorts, they're terrible. I have no confidence in them. And in third and long on the defense, they're terrible oh. offense. Yep. So I wanted to add, like, I always like kind of fact checking myself to look this up. So the Browns on third and seven or longer on defense this year are 28th in the NFL in uh, conversion number. So uh, the teams that are worse than them defensively on third and seven or longer, the Raiders and Chargers by very narrow margins, and then the Jaguars and Bears, the Bears are significantly the worst as they pick first overall. And then on offense, third and two or shorter, the Browns were 25th. Uh, the offense is down here around Houston, Colts, Patriots, Broncos, Jets, and then surprisingly the Dolphins also down there in, in a conversion percentage. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like that's that's the case. And, I, and, and, you know, if the Dolphins are really good on first and second down, then you create big giant chunk plays. It doesn't matter. But, yeah, this is um, – I think that's a microcosm of how we've probably felt this year. They can't get – you know, they can't get these – third downs um they have the most fourth down go for it uh situations this year the browns that they've gone for first downs on fourth down um it's it, that those two things are they're, they're really frustrating so um, feels like they were pretty good yeah. on fourth down this year yeah but. they were good they were good uh 70 actually one of the better ones in the league especially considering the volume um but yeah that, that's and it feels that's like it. And, Especially the, the back half of the year, Jake, it feels like they were pretty good first and second down defensively. Like it feels yeah. feels like there were a lot of those third and long situations for other teams, and they just, oh my god! Yeah. I, I so, know. so the offense it's inexcusable. It's not, not every team is finished, obviously. So this could move, but the Browns finish seventeenth in total offense EPA. Uh, teams around them: Green Bay, fifteenth, sixteenth, Seattle, eighteenth, Pittsburgh, nineteenth, Baltimore. That's just not um, good enough. Yeah, that's on that's on uh that's on offense. And then if you want to look at like defense, because I know they were upticking defensively by late in the year, they have uh total defense EPA ends up twenty second. And again, this could move because there's some teams playing like the Cardinals are playing right now, the Rams, Seahawks, among others, still have to play. The pass defense EPA, which should be good, it's thirteenth, the rush defense EPA. Uh, is is uh, dead last in the NFL. Yep. Um, so uh, you know that's that's kind of where they're at, and it matches up with a lot of how we felt this year. Uh, it, it is you know the offense. It was such a weird season. It was a story of before Watson's return and after Watson's return. And I think the biggest thing I can think of is they don't play complementary football. It just hasn't felt like they have been clicking on offense and defense at the same time. Mm -hmm. um and that has been a big issue the offense was rolling early in the season the defense was you know causing issues and creating terrible disadvantageous situations and they were bad defense sorts to start to figure it out about week 11 week 12 and that's when the offense uh finds uh finds a flat uh, finds a flat line so yeah man really frustrating all around how they were unable to make enough winning plays all year talk about that all the time uh, just making those 50-50 plays, like the Chase Winovich fumble that just runs right past his arms, right? Like mm -hmm. many of those, like those winning plays you have to make to to win games, and and um, you know, and again, obviously, complementary football, which is which is so huge to stack together your good stuff at the same time, and that's how you dominate games. So and they if they can't do that, that's hard to win nine, ten games that you needed to win, right? And that's yep. the the hardest thing about the whole situation are when you look back at this season the number of games that you're like, you just, all you had to do is make one more play. 
Yeah. Just, think about how think one... about how crummy this year was, Mike. They're seven and ten, right? If right. nothing else changed other than a few plays, Chargers like five total kick, plays. The Jets, you recover the onside kick, and you have a nine and eight chance, and you might make it. You know, like that's that's the thing that's it's hard to look at it from that lens. Sometimes I totally get it, but there are swing plays that change your entire season. You look at that Falcons game couple goal line plays they should have scored that's that's a game you win right and you know you could do the flip side of it if you look at the bucks game the one-handed and joku catch is obviously a pretty miraculous comeback win but i think when you look at the grand scale of they blew this versus holy cow they came back and won you're looking at like a four to one ratio Mm -hmm. in my opinion in that regard so they just didn't make the winning plays uh that they that they needed to man and uh that's that's why they're here now you got to if you clean up a lot of the auxiliary stuff and you don't make a lot of boneheaded plays, decisions, and so on and so forth, it shrinks your uh, or sorry widens your margin for error, right? But they they uh, they they seem to fall right very close, teetering on the edge of the sword, and they didn't they didn't finish it, man. So that's it's a it's a I would say this too, kind of my general thought. I don't know about you guys. This is kind of an interesting discussion point um, compared to where we all what we all. I don't want to say went through, but the off season, the way it was the expectations of this year, I think this is the least I've enjoyed the Browns in a long time. I don't know that I can say that it was least enjoyable, uh, less enjoyable than the Owen 16 season, but it's been really not fun overall because I feel like everyone's arguing. There's a whole bunch of the, the, the fan base got split in a way. It's never really truly been split since the move. And that was everybody on one side with the move. There wasn't really a split. It was just, right. it was harmful, but it, <laughs> yeah, we lost like, you know, like we, we really <laughs> lost, they lost fans. We lost yeah. people at the OBR. Like yeah. it was just a very divisive thing. And then that's not fun. The NFL and public nationally is picking on Cleveland more than ever. That's they went yep. from the lovable loser to let's hate these guys. Yep. And then like, it's just it's it's a it's been really not fun. And um, while I think our group is fun and the OBR is fun, and I think we've done as well as we possibly can, I cannot think of very many Cleveland teams I've disliked more. Because even in the 0-16 team, we were having fun talking about who the next quarterback is going to be, who are they going to do. They don't have a first round pick this year, so there's not that element. And there's tight up against the cap, so it's largely everybody coming back that they already have so there's just it's just it's hard there's not a lot of you really bring line optimism so i just i don't know I, i'm, I'm seeing if you guys yeah. are agreeing my with what i'm saying it, i didn't enjoy it this year i just really didn't i i enjoyed last year less because last okay. year was the was the wheels yeah. coming off of the whole thing i mean they were coming mm-hmm. off of a, a a postseason run where they beat the steelers in in pittsburgh and then almost beat the chiefs you know uh mm-hmm. extenuating circumstances not notwithstanding and then came back the first game of the year and almost beat the chiefs again. Uh, and it felt like, okay, we are, we, we as a team and and as a fan base have arrived, we've got a quarterback who's figured it out. We've got a head coach who's got it figured out. And then it was just a weekly nightmare from then on through the rest of the season. And I mean, totally fair. It's all personal, right? It's all personal. Well, but I, I think a lot of the seeds for what the frustrations of this year were, were planted last year. And and there's a lot of echoes in this year to things that happened last year with OBJ leaving the team and the way that Clowney handled things this week. Um, the quarterback stuff where two years in a row, we're kind of tiptoeing around, you know, how do you evaluate Stefanski's offense? Because the quarterback mm-hmm. stuff is all in flux. Um, it, it's been two straight years of weird and it's exhausting. 
I, I would say, um, just to Jake's point, that this team is hard to like. This is not a likable football team, in my opinion. And I kind of draw a line from that to some of their disappointment on the field in that there's no identity to this team. I've talked about this before. They're, they never established an identity. They haven't overcome any adversity that makes them lovable or shown a ton of hearts that this that this fan base can get behind. There's guys like John Johnson. There's a lot of me guys pointing at each other. There's just really no personalities. The guys that are really likable personalities are very quiet guys. Introverted, yeah. So you've got your Nick Chubbs and your Coopers and your Jacoby Brissettes that are very likable and lovable Browns, but they're not outspoken leaders right and and they're not in the front uh you know in front of everything and kind of pulling the team along which is what they need in a lot of these situations so you know the the guys that are me guys aren't going to do that right like so you need some leadership player leadership from within to kind of pull this team along and the talent along and and also kind of echo the sentiment of the coaching and it, and that's all buy-in from one through 53 so if there's a lack of buy-in from one through 53 then it kind of gets separated in there and you end up with a team that's not so likable because they're pointing fingers and yelling at each other and there's not a lot of guys that you're like i agree this is not a very like this is probably the least likable browns team i can remember because they're just not like a lot of guys that you're that they haven't done a lot to to gain our their like our hearts, right? Like they haven't mm-hmm. shown a ton of heart and proven anything. They don't have an identity we can be a proud of, right? As a city. None of that is there. And you know, it, all analytics, you know, is aside when it comes down to football, a lot of times it's about identity and it's about what you stand for. It's about that stuff in the locker room. So I don't know. That's kind of how I feel about I it. I just, guys, I, I don't find this team any less likable than any team that's come before it or any, any team I've experienced since 1999 because it's the same damn team over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Results are minus, similar, minus right? 2002, 2007, and 2020 it's the same damn team it's the same damn team whether it's results or what it's just the same forget about the team it's the same experience as a browns fan yeah i think the Uh, experience is is the way to put it there have been better personalities here over the years but there's plenty of guys to like like i like a ton of results are the same it's not that i don't like them it's just like they they don't play an enjoyable they don't play an enjoyable brand of football that's it it's the experience the, the experience the as a Browns fan We're saying is something the exact similar. same thing. It's yeah, the I'm saying as a collective, Mike. I'm saying as a collective, not individually. As a collective, this and, and team is hard I, to like. And I'm, 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 I'm agreeing with you, but I'm saying it's it's the same. It's the same. Yeah. It's the yeah. same yeah. as when they had Brandon Whedon. And who, what was your, who liked anybody on that team? It's the same yeah. as when they – it's the same – Thing. But I think we're ignoring if the Watson thing over. is bigger. It's not bigger than that. Like but the Watson thing is a league-wide hatred thing. Like that yeah. that part yeah. of it has made everything extra. Like you can block it out and yeah. say it doesn't matter. It's out there and it's extra and it's always there. And like they need he needs to be really good to 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 uh, to not to not fix things. That's not going to ever fix the situation. It's not going to ever fix how people feel about him, but it certainly makes covering them 
<laughs> talking about them easier. But the, there's the a lot Watson of things. thing is big. It's very big, man. There's it's a lot big. of and things. him playing this way, these six games. And again, I I think we all agree he's better played a little better than what the the, the stats have showed, and people are out there taking jabs. But that's not going to quiet down this offseason. Like that's no. going to continue, and it's going to be a really annoying talking point. A couple things, real quick, as we'll switch topics from misery, so people aren't hating everything we say. Um, Jed Wills, after the game, said he thinks he sprained the MCL. A lot of pain, worried there for a minute, but the pain's gone. I mean, you don't want to lose him for next year. I mean, no. even though we're all frustrated with him, you didn't well, he want can, to see him tearing ACL. He can stand ACL and watch the plays with a torn ACL. Right? There it is. There it is. Uh, here's some better banter. You're looking at opponents for next year. This is fun. Um, oh, great. Uh, so you you host the following teams: the Jaguars, Titans. Titans are a very big blow it up team they potentially. They the suck. Cardinals, who are not going to have Kyler Murray for a large part of maybe even all of next year. 49ers are very good. Who knows what the Jets will look like? And then the Bears who have the first pick. Then they ho- these are who they will host: the Texans, the Colts, the Rams, who are a big blow it up potential team here, and the Seahawks and the Broncos. So it is. Outside looking in, three. who knows? There's a whole off season to happen here. It's really not a bad schedule. I mean, the teams can get better, and the, I get it. I'm not trying to do that, but like, there are some teams there that you look at that and you say, just based on like, do they have a quarterback or not? There's like a lot of elements to like there. Um, they're a big. They're going to be a turn it around team. Like I'm guaranteeing you, we're saying this on January 8th. It's going to happen at before the draft. After you're going to look at teams like the smart, sharp betting minds, as the Browns are a huge non-playoff to playoff team next year it's going to happen it's going to be the main a main talking point watson's going to be better they did this they changed the defense so we're all pissed it's january 8th they were eliminated from the playoffs they finished 7 10 lose the Steelers. but there are pieces of the schedule that are good and we'll see if they can get better and turn some of the stuff around too so you know whatever you know what but, the, uh, you know what jake i love that i love it and and everything about that is right but I know yeah, that but there go are six and eleven. So there, right? well, no, there are, there are, <laughs> what, 13, 14, 12, whatever other, however many teams we play, other teams that are that are having podcast guys. Yeah, on, no, on I know. their network know. and they're looking at their schedule next week, going, oh, we got the Browns. Like that's yeah, where we're for at. Sure. That's I, for I sure. So. But I get, but I guarantee you're gonna hear, you're gonna hear that talking point is gonna be out. What I'm saying right now, you're gonna see these tweets, and I'm gonna post them in Slack where all of us talk. And I'm going to say, hey, remember when I was saying that they're going to be all over. The Browns are going to be the team. Everybody's all over. No, you're absolutely right, Jake. Year. They will be. For sure. And, and that schedule is uh, a part of it. But, yeah, that's, that's, those are just be. that that was decided today. So, we're like, I wanted to get that out to people yeah, as yeah, a part yeah. of listening to the Browns. Yeah. Like, those are their opponents. The order of the opponents, right. the, the timing and all that is obviously way out in the future. But well, and I, I think play. so. So, I, I, Brad, go ahead. I see you they did miss out. Ahead. They did miss out on the Vegas trip. That was a huge part of today. Yeah, unfortunately, Steelers would, would make that trip out to Vegas. So if you're a loyal Browns, follow them wherever they play. Missing out on a trip to Vegas to see them play the Raiders is uh, is the reality of this thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just real quickly, and I'll pass it, give it to you, Andrew. I didn't want to say a whole lot, but just I don't want to confuse all this with like thinking that like next year doesn't have a lot of promise because I do. And I've written multiple times. I think this off season is probably as pivotal of one that we have since 99 because of the talent that's there because of what's on stake at stake with Watson. Uh, I do think that the right moves as far as hiring a defensive coordinator and the right moves and adjusting personnel 
and moving forward to next year could result in a very good football team. So I'm not saying that like it's all yeah. doom and gloom. Just this version of the team did not strike my heart chords, I guess is how I would. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a great point. Brad. I believe that's the technical term. I yes. believe yeah, the hard chords were yeah. not struck, um, but we should, we should all be saying that they are close of all the crap of all the crap. As we talked about before, everything that they didn't do well this year, you could point to probably five plays and point to a different outcome on five plays this whole season. and have them at 10 wins like that is where this team is. It's just, you've got to go in. You have to have Brad. I love what you said. I think it, I think you're probably right. I think it is maybe the most pivotal offseason since they've come back. I think it is. You went through all the crap of last year and all the drama that came with it, and you made your move. You made your move. This is our decision. This is what we're going to go with. And then for a various wide array of reasons, this season was lost due to a lot of things. They this offseason, they don't have the time to not hit it this offseason. Yeah, there's got to be a payoff, right? There's got to be a payoff. You want to yeah. be winning with Nick Chubb and and Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom. You want to be winning with JOK and Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples. You want those guys to be on the team when you're winning? There's no more time to just screw around and mess things up. You've got to get it right this offseason, and you have to go into next season ready to go. If you don't... If you don't, we're 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 not quite there, but we're really close to starting to talk about. Oh, shoot, this this whole thing didn't work out with the Browns, and a lot of your guys that you actually do like on this team, maybe not being with the Browns for a terrible amount of time longer. And I I hate to be like negative negative about it. They they've got to hit this offseason. They have to. Okay, so let's I mean, let's let let's talk about expectations for twenty twenty three a little bit, right? And I think I say one three. more thing real quick, Andrew, just sure, real quick. Sure. I didn't mean to cut you. I think it's the hardest offseason they've had. Let me put it that way. Can 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 we agree on that? Like it's very important. All of these have been important. Like I think this offseason comes with more challenges than we've ever seen them have because they went out and fixed quarterback last year. Um they they're up against it. Now they're up against the quarterback paywall. They don't they don't have that pick again. They're tighter against I think they lose another pick because of a uh, They've lost another third rounder part of that trade too. So like, I know they'll get some chance to get some back. And if Glenn cooks hired somewhere else, they could get a comp pick and some things like there, but I'm saying like the free agency dollars are really tight. And like, this is going to be the, the, the hardest asset allocation type off season they've had. And they need it to be good. Mike, to your point, they need it to be good. I don't think it's just at, and, and Brad, it's already cut it in, but I don't think it's just asset allocation. I think it's also hard because it's going to involve introspection. It's going to involve them having yeah. like it's going to involve Kevin Stavansky watching some of his coaches get fired and, and he being a part of that. And that's fine. But again, he has to feel some responsibility there. It's going to involve introspection on Andrew Barry's part and Paul D. D Podesta's part and Kevin Stefanski's part. Kevin Stefanski is going to have to go into this offseason going, what I'm doing isn't working. I've got to fix it. I have to do things different. Andrew Barry's got to say what I did last year quarterback thing aside what i did with our defensive line what i did with other parts of this team didn't work i've got to be better it's yeah. going to have to involve them being willing to look at themselves and saying i failed in these areas i have to be better that's the hardest thing to do whether it's football or any part of life is looking at yourself and saying i sucked at that i've yeah. got to be better 
And they've got, yeah. they actually have to do that. That, yeah, it's going to be hard has to happen. It's going to be hard for Andrew and it's going to be hard for Kevin. Don't you envision as far as their decisions this offseason, and you mentioned it, it'll be hard because of asset allocation. Don't you think that, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit, don't you think that they're going all in enough that they will do what needs to be done as far as, you know, moving some bonuses around to spend what they need to spend to do what they need to do as far as in the free agent market? And they can. I think there's things they can do, but that's my point. It's hard, right? Like, yeah, I don't think that's going to be easy. You're going to have to put void years on things. You're going to have to do certain things. I mean, they can't just sign like they can't go out and sign Hooper Conklin contracts. They don't have that. They can maybe get one of those potentially, but you're you're up against it in a lot of different ways. Um, the, 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 again, like salary cap isn't real thing is true to an extent. You just can't go crazy and like like the, the there are going to be ways they can create some money. But then there's also convincing guys to come here. On top of that, and you they can't go out and just overpay, so they have to be frugal and smart. And how they go about it do they trade for people rather than uh try to sign somebody from a position because they don't, you know, because that's a guaranteed way to get them? Is there a Cooper like trade? Do you want to give up picks because you're already up against it with picks as as accustomed uh, as against the customary amount of picks you would normally? I'm just saying, I'm not saying what can or can't happen, Brad. What I'm saying is gonna be hard, like they're going to have to be really smart and do more with less than they ever have. They had an angle to get Watson. They had a lot of money to go get Watson and make that kind of deal happen. They can't, they don't have all of the advantages that they have had, like getting Baker Mayfield's money off the books. Like they, they, they don't have those advantages. Like they're they're, they're like the hardest thing in the NFL is having a big quarterback contract and making the team around it work. Now you have the big quarterback contract. You have all of your other guys, the, the contracts you've signed Ward, Chubb, Teller, Petonio, all of them, Garrett, they're all going to start kicking up. The cap's going to get squoze, squeezed? Yep, that's squeezed it. Tighter. No, squeezed <laughs> uh, tighter. So what I'm getting at is it's squeezed. all harder. It's all harder than it's ever been. So it's yep, just going right. to take a lot of skill and to it, maneuver this thing. Like It's, it's, it's not been just about before. Right. It's not just about adding players. Really, yeah. a, a, a big challenge for them is getting more out of the team that they have currently because a 100%. lot of those players are coming back next year. So yeah. they have to do what they did this year. With with what they have this year, they have to do better next year. And that's if you're bringing back most of the main things, you're really counting on the defensive coordinator making the defense good from the beginning of the year instead of midseason. And then, as Mike said, Kevin figuring out, uh, you know, the offense. <laughs> So it's you're talking yeah. about improvement, which is different from, you know, when when we went when we left 2020, we said, well, we're, you know, we're going to add six or seven starters on defense. They are not adding six or seven starters to the team no, this offseason. But they're probably going to add three or four, and they're going to be critical. Yeah. They're going to be I, very I, very important. And I'm just saying that yeah. as far it, it is going to be difficult, certainly. Uh, but I think they are tr- treating this as an all in. So I think they will spend where they have to, and. I think there's a a lot. The reason I said it's the most important is because there's so much on the line because of Watson, right? Because of Watson, there's just so much on the line. You're right, Brad. You're right. Everything everything is on the, everything is harder, but it doesn't mean it can't be done is the point. It can be done. I think it's just going to be, I think we can all agree. It's going to be harder than it's, uh, than it's ever been. And that's like, they, they're, they were probably anticipating some of these things. I would hope at least you don't want to be blindsided by anything but they were probably anticipating some of this. And like, here's a great point. You know, 
this is something they have to navigate. 100%. We all want them to hire this defensive coordinator and get it right. right. They might hire someone we don't even know. We've never yep. heard of. They, we don't, and it doesn't mean they didn't want Fangio or Evero or or Jim Leonard. But can they convince a guy that this is a lot? Like a lot of coordinators like to go places with the coach who's getting brought in, because then yep. you know you have a Joe Woods mm-hmm. three-year sample size type of deal. So that's a huge part of it. It is not. I got it, and this is scary to say. This is not a guarantee they hire another defense coordinator and they just get better. It's possible exactly. that they get worse. No doubt on that yeah. side. So no like. Doubt. The, this is the challenge of changing. I think they need to change a voice. I think they need a different, different defensive coordinator. I'm all in, but it's not an easy hire. And here's why: because they are like we're talking about. Well, I wouldn't be shocked if Stefanski was fired. Now, I think the general view of a lot of people that are smart, that are like, they'll eventually understand what we're saying. It feels like Kevin gets a year with Deshaun. Outside yep. of that, if it goes poorly again, coming off back-to-back seasons of disappointment. That's that's a quick foot out the door. And if you're a DC, you're an up and comer, a name that matters. Do I want to go to Cleveland? Because that this place has a history of in season firings. There's a lot of volatility there. Is this a long term place for me? So just uh, keep that in mind with whoever they end up. If they if they drop the hammer and move and go get a different DC, that's a huge elephant in the room, man. And then it doesn't yeah. mean like just because you you go get a different DC, it doesn't mean it's the guy they want the most. So keep that in mind. No guarantees. I wrote about that exact topic in that the perception, the outside perception of Stefanski around the NFL very much matters as far as what DC you get. So, yep. like if if they if you can get a guy to believe that you believe in him for more than a year, you're you have a higher likelihood of bringing in the guy you want. There are um, the if Browns are twenty fourth. Yeah, you're you're right. Browns are 24th in total defense EPA. Dolphins, Rams, Seahawks, Giants, Falcons, Raiders, Lions, and Bears, all with worse. Now, you could come at me and argue with me about the Browns have more talent than those teams. That's fine. But those are defenses that performed worse on a down-for-down, play-per-play basis than the Browns collectively. So it can get worse. You know, we want to leave you with that. Uh, yeah. it's been great. <laughs> this, this See you leads later. Into, no, this leads into <laughs> what I wanted to talk about, though, because because this is something I was thinking about a lot leading into this game. My prediction for the game was that the Browns were going to lose to the Steelers. My expectation was that the Browns should easily beat the Steelers. Yeah. yeah. So so the, the, the gap with this team right now is between what we think this team is capable of if they're doing what they should be doing and what the team is, the the results the team is showing. And that's been two years on the, on the, on the bump now that they have been underperforming expectations to the point that it is becoming the expected. And so when we start to talk about 2023, I agree that there's a, there's a strong case as Brad has said that they can improve on defense, improve on offense. and, And, and with the schedule that Jake noted, run off a bunch of wins. But I think that there's an equal case to be made for the fact that this team has made a living out of underachieving two years in a row. Something has to happen. Listen, we talk about intangibles with players. We talk about guys that have qualities that you can't measure, but it makes them different. It separates them. There is an intangible within the organization. And the intangible is, do you figure it out or do you not? And the Browns don't ever figure it out. They're good years, 
are so few and far between that you can just pick them out. Just boom, right yep. off of one hand. Pick yeah, they them have out. names. Yeah. It is hard to change a culture. It's hard. Even with good players, there are so many good players in that locker room. But it's hard to change a culture. They've got to yeah. figure that out. And it, it, I feel like it's got to be part of the discussion at some point. It's yeah. not just, what are you going to do, X's and O's? How, uh, how fast do you run? What, what's your coaching scheme going to be? But how are you going to help us change the culture? Because what you talked about, Andrew, your expectation versus what your prediction was, for me, it's the Steelers are in the spot that they are in. They, they won and had a chance at the playoffs. Because their culture doesn't let them lose. Exactly. Even, even in a down year, their culture doesn't let them use. And that's coaching and front office and players and everything. It's everything. They you are aware of that, though. Change it. Yeah. yeah they, well, are, they are 100% they aware. aware of it, though. I they mean, he just aware. talked about it in the press conference the other day. He knows that he yeah. said culture is about people. They need to align the people they bring in with the culture they want to create, obviously. But but they are aware of it. They're working against 20 years of bad football. It's not an easy thing that happens around. overnight. Well, right. It, it's the point that Jake, Jake made uh, pregame, which is they have the right ideas, which is a step. But implementing those ideas hasn't happened in the way. Yeah, that, that's a skill. Know. That's a skill. Exactly. exactly. I want to go back to the D.C. stuff. Um like this is, a, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, your point about good, bad DCs, you know, no established DCs coming here. There's two things that I think would draw DC here. A, a former head coach looking for another shot. Look at Steve Wilkes uh, as a DC at other places who, who gets a shot because you think Kevin could be fired mid season. And I have a chance to run a really good defense and get a chance to have an interim job and a potential now long-term job. That's a, the guys that have been Jim Schwartz yep. types. Fangio types who have been fired from other places and think they can still be a head coach. That's Zimmer. a draw. And then the other draw is this. They have, they have talent. Some yes, places you're going to go to like, do I want to go to the, sorry, do I want to go to the bears? Do I want to go, <laughs> go be their DC? Do I want to go to be the DC alone, of the lions? Like they have genuine talent, coaching miles, coaching ward, coaching, JOK coaching. You think that like if I were a really good defensive mind, I would look at the Browns personnel and be like, I can get a lot out of those guys right away. If you are a believer and most of these deep, most coaches that make it to the NFL and coordinate a side that are very pretentious, they have to be, uh, that they think they can get more out of it than they, than they saw. So that those are two elements for why it could be a reputable name. But I do think they are fighting the Cleveland Browns fire, happy stigma that is still here, even though, they have been very patient. They have done a nice job, even against the better judgment of Hugh for another six, seven, eight games. <laughs> They've given Kevin three going on four years. We're expecting four years. They've given their entire staff three years. They've been patient. Um, yep. I mean, again, you're looking at the Texans who might fire Lovey Smith and go back-to-back one-year head coach. There are, there are places doing this stuff. So yeah. right. the Browns have been a bad example of it, but they have shown some patience, but they are still fighting that stigma. The defensive coordinator hire, if and when, if they do move on from Joe Woods, is going to be a really fascinating hire. And it's going to tell us a lot about, in my opinion, the perception of Kevin and the Browns league-wide and their personnel. If, they, if we hear a bunch of rumors of, well, they offered this guy the job back and they didn't take it. Or they, you know, say they're chasing Fangio. Say, hypothetically speaking, um, you know, uh, Sean Payton goes to Denver and Fangio is not going to Denver. Say he, you know, we learned that Fangio was offered the Browns job and he was offered 
the, the, the Colts or so, I don't know, somebody else, their DC yep. job. And he turned it down the Browns and picked that. We can figure out the perception of Kevin and the perception of their personnel um, there. You know what I'm saying? So that's where yep. I'm at with it. Good point. Okay. Um, I think we, you know, I, 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 not a lot of optimism, but I don't think there should be because they, they got beat soundly by a Pittsburgh team that I think we all think is worse than the Browns. So I don't know that it really feels like a moment for optimism in my mind. Um, I'm, I'm highly optimistic, Andrew. I do uh, want to well, point you're out. just wrong, Mike. I, I want to, I, I, of all the, I'm pissed. I'm pissed the way the season went. I'm pissed the way the season ended, but it's there. Yeah. Like I see it. I watch it. It's right there. It's there. It's not. It is. It is. 17th it's, in EPA on offense, 24th on EPA in defense. They're not close. It, it is. You can, you can, they you are can close. say that are if a few plays went whatever, but that's the NFL, man. The, the, the resume is the resume. They're seven. But there's 10. a lot that goes into that. You can't just, you can't just use those numbers and not factor in what goes into that. And, and it's, and it's play calling and it, and it's the players on the field and, and just a couple tweaks changes those numbers, Andrew. A couple tweaks changes those. You mean and like so, if they play better, the numbers get better? I agree with that. Well, yeah. If they call better plays, the numbers get right. better. Right. No, I agree with. I, on, I on think defense. they should have done better and if, had if, better numbers. If they stop just like today, just like today, if they stop blowing coverages and letting George Pickens run between a corner and a safety, but those are tweaks. Those are tweaks. So yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm. And there's nothing that they've done over the past two years that makes me think that they will do any of those things. Well, you're gonna have new coaches in there, so that's. Uh, you can't you can't factor in the last two years. No, I'm, I'm saying on coaches. Andrew, you sound like you you have had enough of Stefanski. Is that where you're at? I I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I I would say that I think you know, I think the circumstances Commit, of the <laughs> I think the circumstances of the past two years uh, make an argument for him getting another year. I would also say that the the lack of being able to it goes back to a question I asked you at the beginning of the show, Brad the lack of at this point having anything on the team that they can really hang their hat on is is to me deeply concerning because they, their their offense has really kind of faltered down down the down the stretch of the season and and you know certainly the defense you know they're they're about to replace their defensive coordinator so <laughs> what is the thing that they've done that that earns that respect that we should ex- so what I guess what, where I'm at with it is I think he probably gets a fourth season. I don't have high expectations that he's going to do much with that opportunity. Okay. I, I would say you can hang your hat on the talent on the roster. Uh, sort of. Yeah, I mean, I would I, to, to the extent that that's true, I think that that speaks more to the personnel side of the team than it does to what the coach has done with the talent. Right. I'm, I'm not saying – I'm saying that – when you have talent, you have a chance if you make changes. I mean, I don't think that Stefanski's a dumb guy. We've seen him win before. So you're saying the last two years you saw this, but you also seen, saw him be a playoff team the year before that. So No, I, mean. I, I hear you. I hear you. I, I And I think, you know, I, I, I think one of the open questions, and I think one of the things that we're going to talk about a lot this offseason is, is the team good? talent-wise, and they've underperformed, in which case I think that's an indictment of the coaching staff, or is the team not as good as we think it is? Probably a little of both. Yeah, that's the issue. No, yeah, right, There's I no think, one I answer. I think it's fair to to question Kevin more than ever. Not that I'm not a believer. Um, I have said it so many times this week. I think the, the process, what they want to be, who they want to be, how they want to handle themselves – 
as an organization and as a team is correct. And again, you can get wrong those baseline things. You can hire people that have no idea how to even formulate a plan. I don't know that these guys can pull off who they want to be. And we'll see if they can do that. I don't, I don't know if they can. And I I don't think it's wrong of anybody after these two seasons to be nervous about that um, at all. Uh, And again, not that the personnel side is, is perfect here. They've missed some things over the years here as well. But the, the tie in between what Andrew and Kevin want to be and performing that and executing that plan is up in the air. They had a great 2020 season that was pretty wild for everyone in the NFL because you eliminate fans and home field from it. It gets pretty weird. That's a real element fans and home field and it got eliminated. And I would like to see them do this in the most difficult version of the league. And it's fair at this point, whether you like, I like Kevin, he's my type of head coach. You can ask these OBR guys here. I have staunchly defended him in a lot of different ways, but you have to eliminate your preferences sometimes and look at it from are they getting the job done and i think it's fair right now to question whether they're able to pull off the plan that i like we'll see if they believe in him enough to give him another year to do that and if he does it we'll all sing his praises if they win 12 11 12 13 games next year which again is possible but again they got to fix a lot and they got to get a lot of things in line to do that And, and i just think that if you're even the staunchest kevin defender and you can't see the infallibilities going on here, then I think you're just wearing blinders at this well, point. There are and listen, what's what what's the goal? To get turned around. What's the goal with your coordinators? What's the goal with your other coaches? When you're a head coach, what's the goal with your other coaches? You want your other coaches to get poached by other teams. You want your you want your offensive coordinator to go be a head coach somewhere. You want your defensive coordinator to go be a head coach somewhere. Now Kevin Stefanski is going to watch his coaches get fired whether he's doing the firing or whether the organization, they're all behind it. He's going to watch his guys get fired. You want to have, you want to have the Bill Belichick tree, the Andy Reid tree. Uh, you want to, you want to have your legacy as a coach be how you were able to coach to such a, uh, a uh, an extent that the guys that work with you are getting potential opportunities. And he's about to go into an off season where he's going to watch his guys get fired. And so I'm with you moving in the wrong direction. I have stood up. I've stood up for him forever. I think he, I do think he is a guy. I think he could be a Super Bowl winning coach. I believe that fully. I think a lot of the criticisms of him are lazy. If I see one more person talk about him getting his face out of the play sheet, I'm going to choke on something because that's not a criticism. You sound stupid when you say that. Uh, But the real criticism is what, what are your guys doing? You're about to fire your guys. Yeah. What are your guys doing? Where where are you improving the people around you? That has to get better. And so, again, for me, part of my reason for optimism is you went from your first year as a head coach being the NFL coach of the year. Now, you better be getting a wake-up call. And it better resonate with Kevin. If Kevin Stefanski wants to stick around, because you better believe it's, this it's getting a little hot. It is. is. It's it's the it's same thing. Change. It has it's to not resonate from a positive perspective. And I, I wrote about it earlier in the year and I, and I got to wrap up sooner. My wife's going to kill me here. Yeah. But this is exactly and I looked into the articles written at the time and that's why I wrote it. It is exactly the same stuff that surrounded Sean Payton after three years. He was the coach of the year in his first year in New Orleans. They had a great year, went to the playoffs, won a game, lost the second round. They had two disappointing seasons the next two years, one of which was under 500 and one of which was, I think, at 500. Mm. Pretty similar here. 
fired his D coordinator, brought in the next guy, got it turned around, won a Super Bowl, and has had a great run. Is Kevin able to do that? I don't know, but there is hope that they can figure. You don't don't sit here and say, "Well, this is Sean Payton." Well, you're playing a you, what? What you're looking at here is has the situation. I know I'm a clown, brother. Um, has the situation <laughs> ever happened before this way, where he goes from coach of the year? There isn't a situation where this has figured itself out. Um, it can happen. Um, we'll see. The first of all, the franchise has to have belief in him. He can do it. Give him a chance to do it, um, and th- and then he has to execute it. His next DC hire has to be great, and they have to execute it. So we'll see if that uh, if that comes to fruition. I don't know if it will, but there is not. It's not like there's some impossible thing going on here. They can do this, but they have to nail the hires. They have to get it all right, and it yeah. has to happen right away this next year. Because that's what happened for Peyton to continue to, to stay with the trust of New Orleans, and 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 they obviously took it to a whole nother level there. So, um, it's an example. There are also examples of guys who never did figure it out. But this is, uh, you know, the hope is. It's just funny. The hope is that you could hire a head coach and he's the coach of the year, and you like him, and it's like, oh, they did that with Kevin, but he's worked in the opposite directions. So how do you get it back on track? We'll see, man. We'll see. There's just a lot. There's a lot. There's, we've covered it here. There's important stuff coming. Hard stuff coming, firing coaches, hiring coaches, hard offseason for the front office, limited draft resources, limited money to spend, a lot of restructures, tough personnel decisions. It's a hard offseason looming. It's the work is cut out for them. There's a lot of factors, too, that we don't even get into on these shows and talk about that they have to deal with and that are affecting their year-to-year stuff. So, I mean, this is a... This is a tall task to uh, lead an NFL organization. So, uh, anyways, um, to that person that asked that, it was uh, Greg with two G's, right? That's who his DC was? Yeah. It was Bounty Gate happened and all that, too. But, like, you know, it just, it was was a good hire at the time. They did a great job. And again, this person's saying he's not Sean Sean Payne. You should read exactly what the people in New Orleans were writing at the time. They, they, They said the same things. It's all the same stuff. He Matt might be Nagy. Matt Nagy. I don't know. But it's not to say that this has not had a situation where it has gone in that opposite direction. So you're, you're playing revisionist history. I'm telling you, go back and read the same things that were written back then. It's the same stuff. It's just a really funny coincidence that that's exactly the thing that's playing out here. Does it mean the Browns are wrong if they don't believe in him? I don't know. You guys don't. I don't know the future. But I'm just saying there is an exact situation that's very similar to this. So that's all I have. Do we have uh, press conference time for tomorrow yet? 3.30. 3 o'clock is what we were told. Somewhere around there. 3, 3.30, yep. yep. Yeah, buddy. I'll be ready with my <laughs> Fire Joe Woods pom-poms on. I was going to say, I saw this comment from, from A. Pierce. Joe Woods announcement better come before the Super the Super Bowl. It should be coming tomorrow, buddy. <laughs> the Super Bowl. Yeah, if they're serious about it, they'll, they'll make it happen quick because they want to they interview. Yeah. Right. So there's lots to look forward to. Um, we will, of course, cover it all off season here at the OBR. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow night, as a matter of fact. Uh, Mike has got uh, the uh, Monday Rewind. Uh, we can talk for another hour about uh, this atrocity of a Browns game today and what comes with the offseason. Probably by that point, there'll be some news to discuss. So should be a great show tomorrow night. Uh, Jake, you'll do a chalk talk on Tuesday, breaking all the film down which should be a great one because I think we have a lot of questions about where the wide receivers open today and Watson wasn't seeing them or, or what was going on with the offense. Um, we'll have OBR. We, I'm, I'm sorry, garage beers, uh, Tuesday night at nine, uh, again with Mike. 
Uh, Wednesday we'll have. You can't get uh, rid of me. That's right. Uh, Wednesday we'll have the OBR <laughs> Weekly, uh, Fred and Barry, and then um, Thursday night uh, we, you know, we'll see. It's uh, maybe uh, sort of a weekend kickoff, but not really because the Browns don't play next weekend. Uh, thank God. So um, it's been yes, a Jake pleasure. Yes, Jake and I did coordinate our outfits today. I just want you guys to know that we called yeah. each other. Yeah. Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. I almost wore that too, thank God. Well, you didn't call us. I know. You weren't in the group chat, Brad. <laughs> I am not I am not the cool we'll get guy. You in there. We'll get you in there. I had fun, guys. Listen, it's been a long year. It's been tough. It's not been fun at times, but we, uh, I think, have handled this thing as best we can, and I've enjoyed all of the pre and post that we've done together. And, uh, Andrew, to you for stepping in and hosting this year. Uh, fantastic work out of you, brother. And then, obviously, Ian uh, McBride in the background doing Let's all go, of Ian. the – all of yep. the audio Absolutely. and all of the beautiful visu- visuals that you see up on the screen. Um, I hope you guys who hang out with us, like there's some of you here are now an hour and some change after the game. Like love you guys, man. We do it because I think we've harbored a pretty good community. Even if some people har- hop in here and call me a clown, that's fine. I'm a clown, but like, you know, we, we, we enjoy um, <laughs> doing this with you guys. So we'll be here to cover everything that happens in the off season from every perspective that we can give and try to, to move through this thing as, uh, as well as we possibly can. And, uh, but again, it was really fun. And, and this is now year two of putting together pre and post game shows. And I think they're a success. I think you guys are enjoying them and we'll try to keep evolving them as we go. And we'll get you guys all, if you're a, if you're a uh, loyal listener and a viewer, we'll get you off season plans uh, this week. Uh, probably we'll get you an idea of what we're going to do covering this team through the free agency draft, all of that stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll try to we'll try to get that out to you as well because we'll continue off season coverage too. So, um, listen, love you guys, man. Good stuff. Appreciate you guys as listeners and the group of dudes that we have here, and especially Ian putting this all together every every Sunday, Saturday, Thursday. He does it. So, all right. Well said, Wolf. Jake. Thank you uh, to everybody for joining us. Thank you to everybody uh, on the stream. Thank you to Ian behind the scenes. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow night. Until then, go Browns. Go Browns. How about that schedule next year? Can't wait. Oh, Jesus. 13 and 4.